I'm Matt Bronger. This might help. I am not a doctor. This might help. I'm not a professional. Let's have fun. This honestly is a good time. I'm Matt Bronger. This might help the podcast. Hey, welcome to This Might Help with Matt Bronger. It's an advice podcast just for fun. Don't take it seriously. Hopefully it'll help. But like we say, this might help. Like you're giving someone a, a, a weird pill at a party. I don't, I don't know. This might help. Uh, I've got uh, <laughs> Wait a, minute. A, a hilarious comedian with me, Wayne Fetterman, who uh, just wrote uh, an amazing tome called The History of Stand-Up. Um, Wayne, I'm sorry to get you up so early. Uh, I will, I will say Renee, Renee and I, uh, my producer and I, we both have little children. So we're kind of like eight or 9am. That's the sweet spot because we've been (laughs) up for a while anyway. So I appreciate you joining us so early. That's all. Thank you. How are you? I'm swell. I'm swell. I was, uh, you know, sound sleep in a different reality. And then I had a bolt, you know, that's the sound of my alarm. And, okay. Uh, but I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. No, dude. I mean, honestly, I was glad to get you on the podcast and also to get the word out about about your book. I, I'm i actually partway through um, Cliff Nesteroff's new one. Yes. Uh, yeah. Real estate problem. Uh, so 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 yours is next. Okay. I'm kind of going down the I, I really love, you know, doing this, but knowing the history. Is, is that why how you got into it? How did like how did you become a, a comedy historian? Well, it's it's just stand up. It's like I just I'm mm. just concentrated on that one narrow lane of it because uh, no one's really written a book just on that before. Right. And I think there's been sort of a reevaluation of those early guys who when I was a kid, no one was like, oh, Mark Twain, the first stand up. Yeah. Or maybe there was a few. But lately, as we've expanded what stand up is, they're like, oh, well, he's standing on stage yeah. he's by himself. He's doing an hour and 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. He's touring the world. Right. Everyone there is with the ex- uh, expectation of getting laughs. Like, right. oh, this is a version of stand up, clearly, right? Yeah. Well, wh- it's like what we call stand up. I mean, just to, to, to kind of put a fine point on it, when, when, Cliff Nesgrove's first book, yeah, defined what a st- what, where the term came from, and it wasn't how we use it, which is it's a person standing up. It was because right, of right, all, right. all entertainment was mob connected, and they'd be like, yeah. when you ask him a stand up guy, like he's one of us, a stand up comedian just meant a connected, funny person, you know, like right. But th- just so you know, there is some controversy about that. That's just one oh, guy's okay. opinion about right. how that term came about. So interesting. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's kind of one of those things where it, it it does definitely it all matters how it came about, but like that's not why we call people stand up comedians and haven't right, for the last right. fifty years or something. <laughs> no, it's really exciting. It's amazing to be part of it. It's yeah. So yes, that is uh, so so like there's obviously like Bob Hope and Burl. They were doing stand up before mm-hmm. that term existed in right. forty seven. So right, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it's. I was, it was fascinated by um, the thing I've learned how it kind of people, people would just quip during doing while doing what they thought someone else wanted them to see, you know, uh, like um, Will Rogers was a, was a, a, a yeah. rodeo. Right, uh, right, right. Yeah. Soist or whatever you want to call it. And when the rope wouldn't land right, he would just 
make a quip. That's how he started. Definitely. Right. Yeah. But he was yeah. so funny that he was just like, Oh, I don't need the horse or the rope yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. So, it I was mean, like I, a, it was a crossfade. Mm-hmm. It was <laughs> yeah. like yeah. less horse, less rope, more quips, more fo- cowboy philosophy. Right. And I mean, I think that's how a lot of us kind of found our voice, not by not like you started out as a juggler or ventriloquist. And I started right. out, as, I was, I was a flame eater or something. And we would joke in between that and we left right. behind. But I think we all, we all started, you know, either imitating someone else or doing what we think someone wants us to do on stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole, I know what you're thinking. So-and-so had a baby with so-and-so. Uh, yeah, I get that a lot. Or, you know, no one cares. You know, it's like they want you to share what what you find funny personally. And so it's like that that kind of for me, I, w- I was reading about that and just finding that kind of being an, you know, like a metaphor for how we've evolved. Like when you where did you start out doing comedy? Was it the Bay Area? Well, here's the crazy thing, not to th- throw this up in your face. When I was in Wait. high school and this is going to be embarrassing for you right now. Just get ready. <laughs> I started as a ventriloquist. Yes. So <laughs> you were saying that that's impossible. That's exactly how I started. I love it. Yeah, it's great. And it's great. Uh, yeah, so I did that in high school. And then when I, I went to New York University and then I was like, OK, I have to audition at the improv and catch a rising star. And so that's so I got into the clubs that way in New York City. Never brought Buford. That was his name. I think of him as a full person because <laughs> um, you're crazy to do that thing. Um, but I never brought Buford on stage at any comedy club. Wow. So, so that was, it was sort of like, okay, I, this is fun. And also in a weird way, the reason I'm into stand-up history is cause of Buford, because I learned how to do ventriloquism from a record called Lessons in Ventriloquism from Edgar Bergen, who I later found out was a radio comedian, oh. a radio ventriloquist. Um, which is obviously the easiest How does that job. wait? I'm sorry. How does that work? How, uh, that just sounds like a throwaway joke. I know. I know. It's like, radio oh, and I do my, right. I do mime on radio. I know. It's the same. <laughs> it's the same joke. I, uh, I do uh, juggling on radio. Like, yeah, it's right. like, it makes no sense. Yeah. But it does. Just his characterization was okay. so next level that, oh. uh, it not only worked, he was starting in 1938, was like the one of the two biggest guys in radio. I mean, wow. huge radio star, huge. So um, so anyway, it's just like silly. So, but anyway, through this record, I learned about mm-hmm. him and Jack Benny. And then, so wow. I had already, even, even in high school, when every, all the other comedy nerds in my school, three of us, was listening to Carlin and Klein and you know st- stuff like that. Cosby. We, uh, I was listening to like, oh, Fred Allen. I'm listening to Eddie yeah. Cantor bits. So <laughs> I was already a weird kid in the weird kid group. Yeah, I, I, I was definitely in the weird kid group. Uh, you were early, yeah. early on in high school. You're from like sure. the Pacific Northwest somewhere. Yeah, Portland, Oregon. Yeah, and, yeah, and. You know, I mean, people think of it as this kind of artsy, fartsy town, and it is, but it still had the hierarchy of of jocks and and cool mm-hmm. kids. Of course, and, of um, course. And nerds. And it, that was the same as anywhere. But uh, I, I, I used to hang out with these kids, and we would listen to, like, like the oldies station. We wouldn't listen what? to the top 40 station. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I, but I remember I had a T-shirt. I had a Lenny Bruce T-shirt. Wow. And a That's girl incredible. uh at a party was like, hey, 
Like, who was that? Because I know from the R.E.M. song, and it was kind of like, oh, okay, you know, like this kind of strike up a conversation thing from, uh, um, what's it called? Uh, End of the world as we know it, and I feel fine, you know, Lenny Bruce is not afraid, like that lyric. And without, like that, this person would be like, I don't, who the hell is on your shirt? But because it was an R.E.M. lyric, it was like, oh, that must be a cool thing. Uh, that's awesome. That's Isn't how that you got funny? in. Mm-hmm. But I, that's a, when, when people talk about, oh, someone's a nerd for something, it's kind of like, yeah, but I, I just feel like everyone kind of gravitated toward the things they wanted. Of course, of course, of course. That's all, you know. Of course, a lot of, yeah, a lot of people wanted to be Marvel, you know, or mm. comic characters. There was comic book kids in my school, so. Sure. So yeah. wait a minute. So that's how you found out about Lenny Bruce is through R.E.M.? No, 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 no. That's, she was like, I know that name. From oh, the song. I see. I no, that's see, not I how see. I found out about Lenny Bruce from like friends' dads. And like, I, I really loved comedy records when I was a kid. Uh, George Carlin's Class Clown, I, yes, I played yeah. a lot when I was a little kid. And um, Richard Pryor albums, when I could kind of sneak them out of my parents' collection and run mm -hmm. away and, and stuff and secretly listen to them and Gilda Radner and things like that. And um, that, that I, I, I was, well, my parents were watching Saturday Night Live when I was a baby. And mm -hmm. so I would kind of, I just, I had Lorraine Newman on uh, two weeks ago. on the Yeah, show. I heard, I heard it. Yeah, it was, that was great. Uh, it, it, it was fascinating. I yeah. know, she's so funny, so funny. She's Can so I say, I'm looking at your bookshelf behind you. Mm -hmm, I hope sure. it's a real bookshelf and not a, yeah. 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 There's a book on there that was a big influence on me that I'm looking at right now. It's Cavett on Cavett with Christopher yes. Porterfield. Yes. That I, was a huge book for me. Mm -hmm. what, so that I, I'm saying that book maybe came out. I'm, you know, I'm probably 15 years older than you. The uh, 70s came out in maybe 73. Yeah. But yeah. have you ever read it or is it just there? No, no, no. yeah. I, I've read all of these. It, 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 it was a book that I uh, found. No, it's over there. That I, yes. uh, yeah. Oh, there it yeah. is. Boom. I found, um, I, re I just really loved his interviews and I used to watch archives of his interviews and, mm -hmm. and just to read this. And, oh, and you know, I met him. I, I played, uh, uh, there, there's a comedy festival in Johnny Carson's hometown in, oh. the, in, in Nebraska. That's mm -hmm. this giant amphitheater. And it's like a comedy contest. And it was the weirdest thing because I, I just hurt my, my knee, uh, like a week before that. So I'm on crutches. Wow. And I come out on stage and I'm immediately getting laughs. It's like, no, I'm really hurt, man. Come on. And, <laughs> and, and I actually tested. Wait, you're doing the old crutches guy bit. He's going to fall. He's going to fall off the stage. <laughs> He's injured. Uh, I, I, uh, I actually tested for mad TV that week too. And I, when I came huh? into the room in front of the executives and crutches, they're starting to laugh. And it's like, no, this isn't like, I had to hand my crutches off and then do my characters. And people were like, Oh God, I feel like shit. Um, and you booked that, man. Is that and you booked Mad TV? I did. Though? I booked it on crutches. Hold on, I gotta. Uh, I'm right now. I'm ordering some crutches on Amazon because I've been on a little bit gold. of. A, I have not sympathy. been able to book lately. Go for the sympathy. Uh, <laughs> no, but he was backstage, and uh -huh. I, I was like, because he came and he 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 came. He just he just they had him on stage, and he just kind of rambled about his life, and it was hilarious. It was off the top of his head, and I was backstage, just like, oh, I want to meet Dick Cavett. And I was like, oh, nice to meet you. And, and he said, he said, oh, nice to meet you too. And uh, I was like, uh, can I take a picture with you? He's like, he's like, only if I can hold you uh, with both arms, I'm about to make a huge announcement. <laughs> like he's 80 years old and he's gonna come out. <laughs> like he wants to be. Oh, I guess, I guess. Like that was, it was so dry. It took me a second. I was like, oh, you're huge. Okay, so you wanna okay. hold me like a lover. 
right, right, and then right, announce right. to the room you're gay. Right, uh, right, right, you're right, going right. to come out at 80 years old. Um, but he made some face when they took the picture, like he was laughing or something, and it didn't look like him. And no one believed me. I had it on oh, my space. That's the worst. But, but I, I, last thing I'll say about it, I, one thing I loved about that book is how honest he was about the industry and how much it'll, like the people screw you over. And it's stuff they still do. Well, where one was, you know, if he got, he got, he signed to do a talk show for five years and they canceled it after two years, he's still supposed to get paid for those next three years. And they would come and ask for the money back and he'd go, no. And they'd go, well, we'd like to work with you again. He's like, well, that's up to you. You honor the contract. You can hire me again. And there are places that still do that, mostly in the commercial world. Right, right, um, right, right. Or well, that, like, that talk show that he rules right on is the famed Jerry Lewis talk show. That's the famed primetime Jerry Lewis talk show that if you read Cliff's other book called The Comedians, which I highly recommend. I did. Amazing. He has a whole chapter about that insane thing right. that happens in, the, in during that talk show. So uh, mm -hmm. that was like one of the biggest primetime bombs ever. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that book is inc incredible. You yeah. know, I was just rereading it not that long ago. Well, wild. This is very interesting to me because he grew up in like ne outside nebraska or something like that right mm -hmm. so he's yeah. i mean he's in nebraska but he's it's not linkage it's, it's, like, it's nowhere it's not a hub yeah. of anything and he talks this is so just and this is something that i've read that book a lot of times as a kid mainly about how to sneak into events like he snuck yes. into nbc and got the job it was like so i yeah. i had done that i don't want to go into it right now but I, I snuck into SNL. Dude, I did too. Yeah, I did too in college. We both <laughs> snuck in, in Saturday Night Live. How did you do it? Can I ask? Yeah, of course. Of course. I don't care. This was pre 9 11. I, I graduated college in 96. Mine was on 9 11. No, I'm kidding. What? Go ahead. <laughs> and I watched. <laughs> right, um, right. Watched the thing. My friends do their work. No, I, I, uh, I got there and there was just the woman with the clipboard and I had like eight friends and uh, I looked over this woman's shoulder while she turned talking oh. to someone else and I just picked the name and I walked oh, away and I, I told my it. friend Pete to say he was so-and-so, so-and-so, and he brought some friends and she was like, okay, how many, you know, got about nine guys. And she was like, are you serious? And he's like, I didn't know I couldn't. And she's like, fine. And we got all got passes and we got up to the green room and uh, it was Bill Murray was, was uh, guest hosting. And, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, and the music guest was Sting, which was pretty cool. Like he did every breath you take, and I was like, "Wow, this is neat." Um, Wait, that in that song he says, "I'll be watching you." He was mm -hmm. maybe talking to you and your buddies. <laughs> he looked at, at, through the glass up at us. In I'll the be green watching room. you. Yeah, I know that tune. People, people's reps who were up there were so angry with us because we were all these huge men for the most part, <laughs> standing in front of the glass. But like, right? I know that. I think. I think me and Pete were the only white guys. And then there were uh, six black friends that I went to college with. And like most of them didn't really care about SNL, but they're like, all right, right you like this, we'll come along. But it was kind of this, like, I think everyone there was like, I don't want to say anything. <laughs> well, what, what I learned from Cavett, that's incredible. What I learned from Cavett was like, he had a thing where he would hold a Time Magazine envelope or something yes. like that and dress up and just pretend he was there. And people would like, well, so that I use that quite a not quite a bit, but a few times. But well, my you, SNL you, was way different than yours. I didn't. Oh, what, how'd you get in? How'd you get in? Went, took an elevator to the restaurant, uh, the Rainbow Room on the fifty-some floor or something. 
okay. checked my coat because we're in the middle of winter. Yeah. So it, so it didn't look like, like I didn't want to have a coat with me. Yeah. And then walked down the staircase, the interior staircase, till I got to like the eighth floor or something, was able to go in. And then a security guy found it. I was like, what are you doing here? I was like, I'm just looking for the bathroom. He goes, oh, it's here. And then was escorted and had a seat on the main floor. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah. It was so stupid. It was, but, thank you, Dick Cavett. Yeah. Yeah. No, and yeah. I, yeah, I, he's, he's like Time Magazine uh, or, or uh, some folders. You can just walk. Yes, yeah, yeah. Very fast. That's how he got his job with, with PAR. That's how he got his job. It's, yeah, I love that. I love that dude. Yeah. We're just going to talk about Dick Cavett. Yeah, okay, no, this is what I wanted to say. So I okay, just reread it. Not about that. So he grew God, I can't remember the place he grew up. It's in Nebraska. And uh, he, uh, he used to go to the movie theater. Like that was a big thing to take mm -hmm. a girl and a thing to go to the sure. movie theater. Sure. And there was like, this is, I guess, 1940s, maybe late 30s. And there was like a couple perverts in the movie theater that would like sit next to him and rub his leg. And there was uh -huh. another guy that had him actually he uh, the guy unzipped and Dick Cavett actually touched his manhood and stuff like, like, like crazy molestation yeah. stuff that uh -huh. like that guy would be arrested in jail. And he just the mindset of it all was like, didn't want to tell his parents because he knew they would not allow him to go to the theater anymore. Yeah, that's how much he loved movies. He's like, yeah, I mean, I can put up with touching a dude's dick against my will <laughs> with my hand every once in a while. I just don't yeah. look. The I, new, I uh, see, yeah, yeah. The I'm new Marx Brothers is coming. Exactly. Out. I'm really that. into duck soup. I was like, that was so that was so mind blowing. But it also just said, OK, this is not in Detroit or Chicago or in the big city with, no. the, you know, the big evil city. This yeah. is like middle America, Christian country as much as you can. I was like, wow, that's intense. Well, I mean, you talk about the hell that uh, it must have been to be gay in those days where you're like, I have these desires. Uh, oh. I, I occasionally find. Wait, are you excusing this guy in the theater? Like, this, no, not at all. Is that with what's kid, happening here? With a kid, no dice. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I do think it's like, you know, I, that's where I can sit. Right, 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 right. You know, oh, I see. A I lot see. of dudes go to movies by themselves. That is a truth that's been around for yeah, yeah, yeah. as long as there's been movies. But, you know, it's like, so it, I mean, true. And that guy could have just been in the kids and I could just be excusing the behavior. And I, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to do that, but just, you know, it, it's kind of that, I don't know, that, that, that thing you hear those stories where it's like, yeah, it's not the big city. It's like, yeah, but there's, there's people that have desires everywhere that, you know. Yeah. I don't but, know. I was, I was just shocked. I was, sure. I was, cause it's, you know, small town America is so mythologized. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, oh, wow. He had to deal with that. And he deals with it so casually, not uh -huh, like I was yeah. traumatized or a thing. It was like, I just wanted to go to the movies. Like I yeah. really, that's it's right I mean, in that's, the beginning. You should check it out. It's really interesting. Yeah. You know, it, it has, it has been at least 10 years since I've read that book. I got to go back to it. Well, I, what's, I remember... It's also the book is like, he writes and he also gets interviewed by this guy, Christopher Porterfield. Right. So there's like interviews in it is, and I always thought, ah, that's a creative way to write an autobiography. I feel like because he was always kind of a casually fearless person in a way uh -huh. in his art, because he was always the guy that would have, he'd have people on his show that no one would book. 
Oh, right, right, right. Mailer and all of those guys. Yeah, yeah. And, but also, uh, but also like John Lennon, when John Lennon was so political, no one wanted him on their talk shows or uh, you kind of name it, all the firebrands of the age, activists, things like that. Right, was, right, right. You know, no, he did wait, have rock waiting. acts on. You know, I, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Carson because they have this thing on CNN called The Story of Late Night. Oh, and yeah. the thing I remember about Carson, I mean, all, he's my favorite. Da, 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 never had rock bands on that show. The entire no. 30 years would not no. have. So Cabot had Jimi Hendrix, had Janis Joplin, had all those, you know, the Woodstock generator, had all of that stuff. And Carson was like, no, nah, this is going to be a big band show. It's like, uh-huh. what the? I mean, yeah. you have singers on. And at the end, sure. I remember he had Don McLean, but I was like, that was, talk about an anachronism. Yeah, I mean, I think during Johnny the seventies and eighties, no rock music, no rock bands, bananas. I mean, he he definitely <laughs> was kind of like the best, but at the same time, just such an uh 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 in a way a disdainful ego that that guy had. That it was like it's my it's my way or the highway, and I will not brook any dissent. And uh, Joan okay. Joan Rivers, don't do that talk show. You did it. I'm never talking. No, to you. I don't think it was. It was. I think it was that he felt like she. he she went, now I'm defending Johnny Carson. Please, go, she, go nuts. No, that she went behind his back ah. and that she wanted to tell him, but it was a secret negotiation, so she couldn't tell him. Oh, yeah. And because yeah. he championed her for 21 years, you know, yeah. from 65 till when that happened. Uh-huh. Um, and till 86. And so I, I, I think that was a miscommunication, but he was like, he was done with her. <laughs> he was done. Yeah. I mean, well, I he would, is he? Yeah, yeah. I, I would say it's like even if that was a miscommunication, it's like have a conversation with him. Right, 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 call. right. You know, I that's what I, that's all I mean. I'm not saying the guy was a a, a flaming asshole. I just think it's right. like he just he did have that rep of 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 kind of yeah. Like, he was like yeah. Know? Well, there's that great story of his writer. It was like somebody was like Carson was the you know the most creative da 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 da, and his head writer was like yeah. I I wish I knew the guy. Like never yeah. talked to him never. That's worked for wild. him 20 years like yeah and yeah he sounds great i wish i knew that dude i feel like we you know uh yeah you're you're a little older than me but like we we always wrote our own stuff and i don't really know a lot of people and i know some pretty uh popular comics that have a staff to write their own stuff but that i think carson was from i mean obviously you have a talk show you have writers but he's from an era where comedians even had oh i like, see like like let's say like bob hope Bob Hope was Bob what? Hope was known for having writers. Yeah. But yeah, that was part of his persona also. Like he okay, was like right. Yeah, yeah. He was like Okay. So maybe so maybe I'm overdefining the era. Maybe I'm thinking yeah. that everyone in that era had writers. Um who if they're if they're large enough. Right, right. They you did. Know? You know who had an incredible writers was Dick Gregory. Really? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. He always struck me as being his own like a, I know, a I know, show. but as soon as he hit he needed new material, of course. Of course. And then he, I, and one of his writers was Ed Weinberger, the guy who created Mary Tyler Moore. Oh, incredible. Oh, I that's know. great. He was like, that's great. I'm going to go for the Jew. Let me get this. Sure. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, I think once you know someone and you know their act, you can. Yeah, yeah, you know. You can figure. You know, because, I mean, one reason Dick Gregory kind of rocketed to stardom was because his, his stuff was like, oh, I got this right away. The joke yes. about the. The joke about the chicken in the South. Yes, yes, you know? yes. Oh, look at you, Mr. Yes. Comedy History. What's well, happening I, here? I know a little, but I remember, <laughs> I remember, I remember reading that 
on the jacket of the book and going, yeah. oh God, that's so funny and so dark. Right. You know? For those listening, Dick Gregory's in the South, went to a, I went to a diner and, and ordered some fried chicken and some Southern surrounded and I said, hey, N-word, whatever you do to that chicken, we're going to do to you. So I took the chicken and I kissed it. That's the joke. Um, so it's, it's like, and I, I, you know, it's, 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 it's so dark, so dark, so ominous, so funny, you know, know. like he really, he walked that line incredibly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was like, he's just great. I feel like he's the Jackie Robinson of stand up. Like he's okay. the one that really broke through as a stand up, standing on stage, Mortstall style, just like, I'm going to tell you where I'm coming from. And like, and there was, you know, there was still segregation between Black nightclubs, the Chitlin Circuit, and mainstream. Yeah. And yeah. he was the one that really broke that down. Incredible. Yeah. I, hope there's an, I think they're doing a documentary on him right now. It's amazing. Was it uh, the the Playboy Club? Yes. That he broke was, oh, come on. Now, what is this one of the, what is it? The Play, Playboy Club? Was it 1967? I, I don't know. Was it a, was an was an autumn night? No, I. Well, because I'll never bring it up because I saw that in a documentary. Wait, is it you? The, we're doing the characters, the passive aggressive historian. Was it uh, Lincoln? Did I mean? Am Jefferson I wrong? <laughs> or is doing? He's doing angry Columbo. One more thing. Uh, <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, he he. Uh, uh, I, I remember seeing. Yes, it was the Playboy Club in '61. Well, yeah. I mean, we're seeing footage of that, and I was like, "Oh, he's he's like he's like on on Benzedrine or something, no oh, doubt." Really? Where it's like he's like he would do five hour sets, and there's clips, and he's just chain smoking. There's so many yes, cigarettes flying smoke. his mouth, yeah, yeah. and I'm just, I'm just like, I I the Dick Gregory I know or that we've grew up seeing is like a little older. Oh, man. of course, of course. This is young young party Dick Gregory. That is, uh, you know, yeah, it's incredible. I mean, yeah, yeah. They, I, I wonder. I wonder how much of the night nightlife was fueled. We we think of it as alcohol, but so much of it. All right. Can I ask you when you what year do you think you started doing stand up? What kind of year would you say around? Nine about 90, 98, 99. Okay. okay. When I when I first started going up in open mics. Okay. Was there ever smoking in any club at that time? You, oh, in Chicago, yes. There was in Chicago. There, there was Chicago. There's there was smoking in Chicago. I think it. I think it. They stopped <laughs> letting you smoke in bars around when I left. Two thousand. Two thousand one. Okay. Um, so the first three years there was. The, so you caught the very end of that nightclub era of like. Yes. Yes. That's and, amazing. And, and I don't. You know, I don't remember if it was allowed because we only the weird. This is this 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 stranglehold that uh that, that Zanies had on the north side of Chicago because Zanies is. Fan, fantastic club but incredibly small and that was the only real comedy club club we had around without going all the way down to the south side um so we mostly played bars so it wasn't like i was no, i know very, about that scene with the uh, lincoln uh, lodge am i lodge saying it right lion's and den yes lion's I, den yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh yeah, that but, was quite a fertile scene going on there Absolutely. Would you say it, that was just, I'm, I know no one cares, but I'm, I'm curious. Go. Would you say it was because Zanies had such a, it was such hard to kind of break through there that you guys were forced to create this I, I, kind of alt scene? I wish it was that intentional, but I think it became great because it wasn't because we all were do these open mics and we all really, we liked a good time, but we also liked, trying new stuff on stage mm -hmm. and we allowed ourselves to be naturally funny as 
earlier, I think, than most comedians do because we did we weren't around these older guys who were like, no, that's wrong. You suck. Uh, you should do this. Okay. Um, we had Dwayne. Not Kenny. every guy, every older comic is that. No, 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 no. But there, yeah. there often are those people that are yeah. like a big fish in a small pond. And yes, yeah, the, the power and, of that. Yeah. Yes, we never had that. We had a guy named Dwayne Kennedy who was so naturally funny and yeah. and and egoless and was yeah. so fun and would compliment us and would and and had these jokes and we're just like how do you write jokes that good ah, that's and awesome. so we would go we we if anyone would have stepped in and gone you guys uh, uh, and gals are, are really coming together with something awesome keep it up it might have screwed the momentum we just didn't oh, think yeah. about it you it was just about going to those shows and it was just like a party every time with us trying new stuff i remember when the chicago comedy festival came to town or was born um trying out for that and getting into that, that was a major thing because I was like, oh, this is real. This is something I'm actually doing. Uh, but we also, it, it, you start to get that feeling of, oh, will this lead to something? Is there a sitcom? And, right, well, it's, it, and it, don't they sort of create that scene a little in um, Kumail's movie? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It, it's more when he's in, already in New York. Uh, oh, but, yeah, but, but it was a kind of auditioning, feel. like I'm in the small thing and then there's- totally. The, yeah. the, the stuff with Kurt, the stuff with Bo Burnham. Uh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was very, very much how it, <laughs> how it felt. Uh -huh. We loved each other. We'd put each other down at any turn, but it was yeah. kind of like the, the, the loose analogy I draw is like the, the, the friendly rivalry between McCartney and Lennon, how we'd see someone write a joke and be like, Oh, I got to come up with something oh, better see, for I next see. week. I got to And it was, my thing was, I would just kind of, I would just give it a shot and some, and, Sometimes it didn't work, but a lot of times it would really, really work because I really, I was like, I really love this, this dumb joke. I'm going to do this dumb thing. Let's try this. Right. And I think we all did that. And that's uh, how you came up with the crutches routine, right? Yes. I intentionally hurt myself. Very right. right. You were dedicated. Um, that well, sounds very John Lennon of you. I love it. I, I, I joke that John Roy, uh, he was the only guy that would do the same joke a few times and we'd right. make fun of him for it, but he was playing clubs. He, he was making Star money. Searcher, wasn't like, he? On yeah, Star exactly. And it's yeah. like, so it's like you know, he's he he'd laugh at us and be like, "Yeah, enjoy your day jobs, jerks," you know, and <laughs> drive off in a car he owned. None of us owned a car, so it was it it, it was, but but yeah, I I just say if we thought about it for a second, it wouldn't ever have been good as it was. Ah, that's incredible, incredible you know? scene. Yeah, no, that's one yeah. of the uh, real comedy moments. Was what happened there at the uh, mm -hmm. the stupid open mics. Yeah, yeah. Well, Lincoln I mean, Lodge was a little. The guy who ran that had a little more of a theater uh, an idea, yeah, right? And, and that wasn't an open. Like Mark Geary was much. Mark, more, yeah, yeah. A massive, mass, and is a massive comedy nerd. And mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, he. I will say he will tell you people he doesn't. He thinks sucks or whatever or yeah. or things like that. You know, but like, but in a friendly way. And he just likes what he likes. But it's he likes almost everything. The Lions Den was anyone could sign up long as you get in before the bell rings and yeah. then you go on stage and i mean george carlin dropped in once doug stanhope dropped in um but then again there was like a weird dude that would eat vhs tapes there was a girl who was obsessed with one of the comics and she got on stage with a blown up picture of his high school yearbook no one knows how she got it of his picture and yelled at it and he yelled at her from the audience and i remember being in the audience being like this is this bit is incredible and i remember saying to adam like, how did you guys write this? He's like, I didn't. I have a restraining order against that woman. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> it, it felt like such a real bit. I'm so sorry. 
I love so, it. I love it. I, love I think it, it's because huh? you just didn't know what was going to happen in any given evening. So, you know. I love it. Well, thanks um, for uh, helping me out. I always like oh, learning dude, about I mean, like I I appreciate your your archivalry or archivist uh uh those efforts. are both wrong those are both and, wrong and also totally wrong <laughs> you're, you're, i appreciate your archivist your okay. archive activism maybe um, maybe <laughs> uh uh that's closer but also like I, I can't wait to read your book too because I oh, do. thank you thank you i think it's, you might you know it's i'm in it but at the same time i love it and i love the history and learning yeah things. it's well it's that's really the way fun. i would that's if i had one goal of the book was that it's this constantly unrolling um story it's this yeah. un unraveling story it's a story and people get on and then they get off and then bob hope was the king and now he's no longer is dead and now yes prior <laughs> was the king and you would think there couldn't be anyone bigger than that and then so it's just like it's just and you get on and you're like okay i'm part of this and uh-huh and then the friend of yours is suddenly on time magazine it's like it's like yeah it's, it's wild it's wild it's just, you just don't know you know not even i want to say who's next you won't know what's next yeah like yeah, what yeah the new trend or the thing right and but the thing i think that keeps me interested in it in a lot of ways is that everyone loves comedy but no one cares about it you know, it's not uh, people rhapsodize about the beauty of music and how it's right, 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 right. Comedy is a thing that anyone thinks they can do. And they're not totally wrong. And so right. that's the thing where, you know, you, you, you know, when they, the, the term a masterpiece comes from not from uh, something you made that's perfect, but it's something to show that you're a master. And, wow. you know, so you, if you if you make samurai swords, someone can pick that sword up and go, wow. But if you make a comedy album and 95 percent of people say it's the funniest thing ever, there's that five percent that's like that sucks. It's <laughs> always going to be the case. Yes, yeah, that's if you're lucky. Yeah, you're right. No, that's, a insane <laughs> that's an incredible ratio. In <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. So, OK, uh, I always ask people on the show, like, yes. do you do you do you get asked advice, Wayne? Uh, you, you are, you are, if people don't know, an extremely funny comedian in your own right. I have to throw that out there. Thank you. Uh, and writer. So I'm sure you get asked comedy advice. Um, you get asked, you know, and any I, other, I'm one of the, I feel, I know this is a long answer and it's going to be fine. boring, but yes. I mean, once in a while I gave, you know, young people like career advice and I do have a few go-to things. I mean, for stand up, I'm always the same, like get on stage, that boring advice. Like, I just feel like that's the best. And it was hard mm -hmm. during the pandemic because yeah. you couldn't do it. So right. I was like, all right, well, I don't know. Um, but yes, I do give advice, but I try, I'm one of those, like exactly Matt, exactly what you said earlier is like, I don't know what's coming next. So my advice is based on someone who was, th there was comedy clubs and that was a thing. And you went on the tonight, like, I don't even know if that, I don't even know if preparing a late night comedy set is great advice anymore. That no, was same. everything when I was growing up. That was yes. like, you had to do that. And then all of a sudden, Sam Kennison comes along and like, oh, you can be famous without going on Johnny Carson. Uh -huh. and swearing and like okay now yeah, yeah this yeah. is all changed so yeah so i you know i try to be humble with any advice i give with the like yeah. you know more and you know and i that's just my feeling about it i mean yeah. that i try i try to be very humble with advice because guess what the world changed 
it's the crazy thing is it changes a little bit every day. It's almost microscopic, but in mm-hmm. 10 years, you're like, oh, wow. I mean, a perfect example in stand-up was when I would start doing stand-up, when I started way back in during the comedy boom, like older comedians from the Catskills would come into the clubs and yeah. like try to like, what's this scene? What's going on here? You know, yeah. these were successful comedians who had like, and you could smell it on them. You could smell that they had no idea what was yeah. going on. Yeah. And then the same exact thing happened with 80s comedians mm-hmm. hopping onto the alt comedy train. Yeah. And you would be like, wow, this is not at all what Patton and uh, Maria Bamford is doing. You know? Yeah. So it's yeah, like yeah. it's a constantly evolving. I don't know if you've felt that or seen oh, it in waves. Yeah. Laugh. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I tell comics, uh, uh, story a lot about the time I was, I was at Zany's and I was opening for this guy mm-hmm. and he crushed, crushed so funny, but it was all about, you know, uh, how, you know, kind of marriage is boring and mm-hmm. my, my wife and things stuff, like that. Like stuff you're doing now. Exactly. Yes. You're act now in the future. To be a man is to be deeply unhappy unless you get to sleep around. Uh, That's totally me. Um, No, but, but after the show, he's like, and he wasn't, he wasn't, he had a very droll style and he was, I mean, so funny, but he gets off stage and he's, he's kind of standing by that back bar with me. And he's like, so how long you been doing it? You know, he's looking around, he's kind of shaking. And I was like, is this guy jonesing? And I'm like, Oh wait, no. And this is my diagnosis. He's done that not just those jokes that act in that order solid hour for probably 15 years yeah yeah and is so tired of it it wears away at his soul that oh, was wow. my thing and it was it was like it's just not healthy do not evolve in in that thing so he never veered away from the things that were mm-hmm. you know were working and it just you could tell it just it ground him down oh well that's and, okay you that's... know and so I would see, uh, I, I saw it when I was in, in Chicago, when we'd go and, and do guest sets places. And I had friends that were, that I would bring that would do really, really, really weird stuff mm-hmm. uh, to, to get to guest set, like out in Schaumburg. And some of the way at the stuff, improv at the, uh huh. Yeah, I know people, that. Yeah, yeah. People would, uh, people would sometimes blanch at it, but sometimes be like, oh, this is cool. This is different. Right. And you could kind of see them kind of wake up to it. And then when I moved to LA, in the alt scene, if you yeah. didn't have your notes on a stool that you were checking, you sucked. You could tell the audience turn against you because that was so weird. It was so weird. Like the death ray audiences. I'm like, what are you? I, Cause I don't have a notepad. Like I did fine, but I could. <laughs> did tell. you ever do M or did you do? Oh yeah. Just... Oh, M bar. M bar. Oh I'm wow. Talking. Yeah. 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 First time I, it was like me, David Cross, um, uh, Brendan small. Yeah. Uh, God. Um, um, Andy Kindler. Um, no, I talk about M bar briefly Jim Par- in the book. Pardo. Yeah. yeah. And then when that, that show in particular, when that moved to UCB, mm-hmm. that became such a huge show. Huge. Huge. It got even bigger. Got when, it, I, yeah, when I came yeah, to yeah. town, it was the coolest show in town. And then yeah, it got yeah, yeah. huger than that. But then I, and see- then in a weird way that got replicated by the meltdown mm-hmm. yeah. years later. Right. It did. It did yeah. even even bigger, yeah. And and when I first moved to LA, last thing I'll say before we go to the calls, but 
there was Dublin's where oh Jane, yes, yeah. Jane Cook ruled Jane. that yes, place. Yeah. It was like his fiefdom. Like I wish I had written more about Dublin's. Yeah, that and was a were, real. Yeah, that well, was, was a real it was, scene. It was like you watch six comics and they'd all do well. It was a packed house of beautiful people, and Dane would come out, and it was just like, oh, he's here. Yeah, that was right on Sunset Boulevard, right? Yes. Yeah, I, right now, Christ I the Lord has arrived. You know, it was. It was no, something it was else huge. to see. It was huge. All it right, was let's huge. take some calls. Let's take. Okay, some let's. Calls. So, Renee, let's roll the first call. See what we got. Renee, let's do this. Hey, y'all. Um, so, my name is Bo. Uh, I'm from Atlanta. Uh, my question is this. Uh, so, I recently came out as trans. Uh, I've also been thinking about trying to get back into doing improv, which I haven't really done since like high school, college. So. I guess my advice, I guess my question is, do you have any advice on breaking into improv as a woman? So, uh, yeah, appreciate it. Bye-bye. Hey, Bo, uh, congrats on, uh, on, on finding your true self, first off. And um, uh, second, I think it's just back to Wayne's original advice, which is all my original advice. You just got to get up there. That's all it is. You find a, one way to break in. Typically, improv, it's been a long time for me, but you take classes and then you uh, form a team with some like-minded people. I would uh, start going to these theaters, uh, learning more about it, and then kind of find your your tribe, people who want to uh, be in an improv group with you. And obviously I'm not saying like, find a group of trans performers at all, but just, it's, it's comedy is all about finding your voice. And I feel like you're perfectly set up for that right now in terms of your transition, in terms of what your what your what your life's about. That that's off the top of my head. My advice, um, Wayne. I forgot to mention I don't hear these calls before they start, so it's all kind of we're all shooting from the hip. Of course, so, of course. That's why well, this is. What, yeah, I could tell what, what, by the way you were fumpering around with that advice. That was so, so I was making up <laughs> words too, just like me. Fumpering around. Um, fumpering. I love fumpering. that. No, that, like everything that. you said was perfect. That was really. Thanks. That was great on. I would I would endorse everything you you just said. And especially in improv, it is all about because that's one. I mean, I guess there's a few people do stand up improv, almost impossible to do. But I've seen a few sure. very gifted people do it. Yes. But as a rule, this is something you need to do with someone else. So you have right. to kind of find somebody that has your likes your rhythm or maybe you're a good contrast and you're like oh i love what they do i do this thing and then together we make a bigger mountain than we could even but it that's all all about that yeah yeah and you may have to dish out some money to because most improv have schools right am i yeah. wrong about that yeah yeah, yeah. ucb and second city mm -hmm. groundlings there yeah. was something called io i don't even know if that exists anymore well, there's no, I, I think it's gone, but there's, there's, there's improv theaters in, in Atlanta, you know, it's right. a thriving comedy scene. And the, the cool thing I would say, Bo, is that um, the big thing about improv is it, it kind of, to me, it's kind of like baseball. It's very Zen where it's a lot of just waiting yeah. for your moment to either hit the ball or catch it or throw it. And you just kind of to be ready. You don't get tense. You just have to be completely relaxed. And yeah, that's true. With the flow. So it's almost the less you're letting your mind race and stuff. Is that true? Yeah. 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 I, Very I, tough to do. Yeah. You, you, UCB's slogan was don't think. Cause it's like, I remember when right. I used to, when I did improv, it was like the one thing I was always trying to fight was like, stop coming up with a character, just yeah. go out on stage and do a thing. I love you it. think would add to this thing. Cause you, you become a hive mind and 
it's very meditative. Even the classes. I really liked going to the classes because they're very therapeutic. And I think that'll be good for you, Bo, right now. Mm -hmm. When, you know, because I think, you know, as well as anybody, it ain't going to be easy for you. There are going to be people who are going to uh, look at you as, as someone who, you know, you'll, you will be seen as the other by some. Uh, by some, by but I right feel people. like this is the best time if you're without present. a doubt. But that without in the history, in the history of humanity, this yes. is probably the best time. So absolutely. absolutely, I don't know. I have to bring up the negative just because. Few no, people. but I was though. I, I, you know, as soon as you said that, I'm like, oh, maybe I'm just being a jerk, and I'm, I'm, I'm telling her something she already knows. You know, right, what I mean? right, right, so, right, right. But in the end, Bo, you know that, and but I think improv is a great way to, to, to kind of relax yourself. And be and be. No, medicated. that's great. Yeah. All right. You let's know? take the next question. Hope that helps. Hope it helps. Call, call number two. Hi, Matt. This is April. I was wondering if you guys could give me some advice on how to meet a man. I don't go to bars, and online is a complete and utter failure. And I've been dateless for three years. Oh. I don't know what to do. Help me. Bye. That's okay. Wayne, are you in a relationship? Are you? Uh... No, not right now. Not right okay. now. I'm single guy. I've, I've lived with a number, not a number, but I've lived with two women. So yeah. I'm like, that's sort of my never been married, though. Not uh -huh. like you never had kids, anything. Sure. Like, do you have kids or kid? One. We're, yeah, we're, yeah. we're kind of one and done. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's that devastating. Okay. No, it. You know what it is? It's kind of just <laughs> us being selfish. We're like, we like our lifestyle and we don't, you yeah, know, yeah. we talk to parents and they're like, well, once you have two, it's kind of, you know, it does. It the, our lives are irreparably changed anyway in a great way with what yeah. we wanted. But it's kind of like, we just kind of just want one. I ah, think that's it, awesome. Yeah. So, no, I'm also, I'm also single. Um, I, that is the hardest. I, what do you think, Matt? I don't, I, cause there's, I feel like there's, a thousand answers for this. Yes. And, yes. but I think it all comes down to, and this is something I learned from my girlfriend who we lived together for 10 years and then broke up. And then when she went on dating websites, and I know you haven't had any success with it, but this is more a mentality of hers was she used her profile to weed out people. It wasn't yes. like, she's like, this is what I like. This is what I think. So people that weren't into that weren't going to be attracted to her. And she found a guy right away by just like, I'm, I'm not, tr I'm not desperate to meet a guy. I just want to people. This is who I am. And yeah. she attracted people by embracing who she was. Yeah. You nailed it. You nailed it because it's at, I feel like April, you don't want to go in the online route, but I just think that's it because you're in total control. You know, there's a thing called Bumble where the women reach out to men. Men do not contact women. Um, you you uh, could just select the ones you like and see who says something back. That's one platform. Um, you know, I, I just think with putting yourself out there in public situations is so hard. It's so hard to just bump into someone at the bookstore that isn't in a relationship. But when you're right. online, you can say exactly what you want. And what you do is you just don't hold back and you don't worry about being cool. Who cares? Like this is your chance to kind of let the world know who you are, who you're into, who you're not into. Right. And hopefully find that person because it, you know, everybody knows it's, it's, it hurts way worse to not try. 
and not get anywhere than it hurts to try and fail. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know. I think it does hurt to try and fail. It, no, it does. But I think, well, I shouldn't say try <laughs> and does. fail, but being able to say, I gave it my best shot and it didn't work right, rather than right. going, I stayed an accountant, which I hated my whole life. You know, I'm drawing horrific analogies. Yeah. But it's, I think, I think with a dating profile, it's, you might as well. I would do that and just have a, have a friend help you. April, talk to other, other women, uh, your friends. Yeah, you have to be out. The, the thing is, if you're say, looking for- say, can you help me build yeah. this? I'll, I'll t I, will, I will take you out to dinner and, and, and I'll pay if you just show me how to do this because I'm clueless. Can I, I just say also, I've also yeah. tried online and it's not for me. It's not for fair, me. Fair, yeah, fair. it's like, I, I, so I totally know where April, was that her name? Yes, yeah. yes. So I've tried online, so I get why that's very dehumanizing and yeah. just feels like a lot of people are just trying to weirdos hook up and it just, totally. it just is gross. Yeah, for me, from other people, I, as I said, my my ex girlfriend uh -huh. found a doctor inventor online, so great. she she did great. Um, I think you have to be out. There's no one that's going to knock on your door and come through your window and go, "Hey, would you like to go out to uh, the ground round?" I don't even know if that exists anymore. <laughs> but uh, the uh, so you have to you have to be out. So that could be. I don't know, a hiking group, a thing, whatever your yes. interest is in. You write church, thing, synagogue, mosque. Like you just have to kind of be in the world a little bit. And uh, so if it's not bars, you have to find other interests where you're going to meet yeah. people. And I would right? say- Is I that mean, right, Matt? That's, per that's perfect. And also to second your thing about getting out there, grab a wingman. Have a friend come along with you to those things and go. I just could be a wing lady. Could be a wing lady. Could be wing lady. I'm just using the the, the you know. The come term. on, man. Come on. Like, it's 2021. Let's get it together. Look, you know we call everyone gentlemen, no matter what. <laughs> the term. You're like, what? No one. No one does that. <laughs> that Sarah. She's a lovely gentleman. Um, no, I, I I I think it. I think getting it's a little intimidating to go. I'm I'm just gonna join this this hiking group but if you bring a friend and you have a wing or person you like you know, hiking yeah true because then no matter what at least oh i got to hike i got to that's true yeah 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 All i mean right, april next. there's no way but through you just have to yeah it's, i'm sorry you have to yeah. try so call us back let me let us know how that went and i'll pass that on to wayne okay we got one more call that's it i love that's it, it. We, only, we, we only do three we only do three only did, okay i love it that's so, what, i hope this one uh, i'm very much looking forward listen to we're, we're first we're, of all there hasn't been one that says hey matt and wayne even though i put the number out on twitter no one i know some people are shy about it some people are my I'm, fans and my, i'm talking about the four fans i have uh, they, they apparently don't like to call. All right, Look, let's hear number three. I, I will say, I think the Waniacs are very, um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Small but uh, mighty, small okay. but mighty. <laughs> All right. Mine are actually, the, the podcast fans are called the Mighties. So oh, they are. Well, I love it. Love good it. job. Uh, all right. Call number three. Hey, Matt. Um, I've been feeling really anxious about my career. Um, just finding a job after the pandemic. Um, wondered if you had any advice for that. Thanks for the help. Bye. Come on. See now, Wayne, you are going into uh, the 
the darker area, the the, yeah. the, the, no. the dark side of the, the dark side of the street for this might help a Matt Bronger, which is people calling in and going, hey, should I break up my girlfriend? Thanks. Beep. Like, OK, <laughs> I needed more. A little more, a little more. Please, just a touch. What like, fields? Where are you interested in? What do you do for a living? <laughs> what I, would you like to do? That's funny. It's so so much of this is just forensic. It's so funny how we're just like, all right, well, I'm profiling. This guy is a 33-year-old white male straight. <laughs> right. He drives a, a Volkswagen Jetta, slightly used. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, that was such a vague question. But can I say this? As someone please. who is very an optimistic guy and Good. has been unemployed and broke early in my career, was... Uh, I do feel like this is a good time to be looking for a job because there's a yes. lot of openings, especially, I mean, I don't know if you care about restaurants. I know they're having a lot of trouble finding people to yep. serve. Like there's uh, uh -huh. so I don't know what you <laughs> want to do, but we're, I mean, this is, it's better today than it was last mm -hmm. April. Right. We can agree yeah. with that. Right. And look, if, 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 if caller, if you're, if you're looking to, to, to get into a, a new field or do something completely different. You just sound jumpy and unhappy. No offense. Uh, so I think your <laughs> that's your advice. No, I mean he does. He sounded frantic, like he was calling right. on the run. And it, you know, I think it. I think he probably wasn't happy with what he was doing and wants to change his career. Uh, you mentioned the restaurant business. You can always wait tables or bartend while you're looking at other options. Mm -hmm. And you sound relatively young. Not that that particularly matters that much, but at right. the same time, it does help to have a lot of time left. Um, <laughs> maybe this is the time for you to go just sit down with a pat, pen and a pad and go, what do I want to do right. for a living? What, do I, and, what, what would I love? Pipe dream, realistic, just write it all down. And, and I try to, and I, I always do that. Whatever you're passionate about, if it could be in that area will yeah. greatly help you. I mean, I yeah. guess everyone's passionate about being a movie star and having yes, I get it. Right. But, the, but again, we're talking about pipe dream versus reality versus. Yeah. And like but when people I, break down why they want to be a movie star, it doesn't it's not about their path. There are people that are like, I'm passionate about acting. Right. It's kind of like the the the, the week. Right. I'm mad at my dad shaft. and I need to get back at him. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I want I want girls to like me, you know, uh, <laughs> whatever, whatever it is. But I mean, I, you know, the thing that just came to my mind is is like my wife when she was grew up uh, in, in Massachusetts, she worked the door at a comedy club because she loved comedy, but she didn't mm -hmm. want to do comedy. Mm -hmm. But she's like, I don't know how, but I want to do something in this field. And she moved to LA and she worked as a PA and she worked as an assistant. And then she was a, uh, uh, she was a, a manager. She worked on a manager's desk. And now she's a, she's a pretty big deal uh, manager of comedians and producer of television shows. But it just started from, I don't know what I can do, but I want to work in comedy and I don't want right. to get on stage. It was that simple. But you, that is a huge thing. They're uh -huh. like, they're like huge. this is where I want to be around with these creative people. I can't yeah. do it, but yeah, that's mm -hmm. incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. So and, that and, would be my thing as you're looking like someone years ago tried to like make your avocation your vocation, uh -huh. which makes, yeah. make, makes your hobby your thing. So. Right. Right. If you can, again, I know there's only so many rock stars and a lot of people can play guitar and are passionate about guitar. <laughs> sure, I get sure. it. So, but it's, uh, so that would be a, just a way to kind of like at least focus yourself. Like 
okay, I'm in this world, right. and that's where I'd like to spend, without getting crazy poetic here, my precious moments here on this planet, which yes. are limited for all of us, right? Doing, yeah. I mean, it is. It is what what what's a lot of it is the world. What world would you like to work yeah. in? Yeah, you yeah. You could and and take away. Boy, that would be cool. I would look cool if I was doing that. You know, like right. we we do focus too much on the ones we see, which are the people on the screen or the stage or the poster or whatever, but. There's so much around that, and that's just showbiz. There are other worlds. There's so many other worlds, yeah. Where you where you make all this interesting stuff happen. I feel like we learn about the obvious jobs when we're kids, but as we get yeah. older, there are all these cool jobs that you're just like, wait, that's a thing? I can do that? Can I also, I don't know if you have a phone or something, but there's a guy that's online that's very inspirational, Gary Vanderchuk. I'm going to say, I might be getting his name wrong. They call him Gary V. Look him up. That's my recommend. Because he was like, he's, his dad immigrated from Russia and started a wine store. But this guy is very much, he's a little, he's a little intense, a little about the grind and like getting up and doing things. But he's just inspirational about why people do things and how to motivate yourself. He's just a motivational guy. I highly recommend him. Gary I, I highly Gary recommend. V. Don't know his last name. No, fine. That's I want to say Vannerchuk. Vannerchuk. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, I obviously, I you want to plug, plug the book? Yes. Because I was asking I think what they like it. to plug. It's called History of Stand Up from Mark Twain to Dave Chappelle. So mm-hmm. I started around 1860, go up today. You Great. can get it anywhere. You can get it. Yeah. And it, you know what? What kind of blew me away because I, I'm. And it's not there. big. It's not. I know it's not as big. It's like I really do it in a very succinct. I call it brief and breezy way. Well, I mean, I, I, I love the fact that it's just stand up. Yeah. Because, because that is a thing. We, we, I, I kind of uh, uh, had the same reaction a lot of people had when all the YouTube comedians were coming out and they were editing and they were, the editors were giving them timing. And uh-huh. we were just kind of like, no, there were a lot of people were like, no, that's not comedy. Those aren't comedians. And I kind of had to take a step back and go, no, 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 those are comedians. They're just not stand-up comedians. Right, right, you know? right. Of course they're comedians. Um, yeah, of course, of course. There's so many different kinds of comedians, but they're, the stand-up comedian is its own animal. Uh, right. That's, that's, that's uh, it's, it's just like a, you know, a book of zoology. There, this but is an even, animal. But even this, I feel like stand-up comedy in the, starting in the, you know, to early 2000s when, you know, Facebook and YouTube and yeah. Twitter and all of that started. And you were there for all all sure. of it. A lot of comedians now I think of, and yeah, I know you think of yourself as a stand-up, but I feel like you're a bit of a hybrid because you do this show. Yeah. You've done another show. Yeah. This is not necessarily stand-up. This is no. having a conversation and putting it out that augments your stand-up, right? For sure. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these people go on the road and play stand-up clubs, but they just introduce clips. Yeah, that's, that's a different. Yeah, hold on. But you know, that's 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 the only one that kind of makes you. Go, oh, that one bothers uh, you. Okay. Come on, but sells tickets. Um, <laughs> is there is there anything? Uh, any 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 gigs you got coming up? Well, or? I do. I am working on a. I don't know if you know this. I also uh, co-produced the Zen Diaries of Gary Shandling, which is a documentary oh, that yeah. was on HBO. Yeah, it was and incredible. So- Great job. Thank, that thing thank you. And I'm working on a new one with same team, Judd Apatow. Great. Um, <clears throat> on uh, Carlin, on George Carlin. Amazing. Yeah. Oh. So so that's been a blast to just, oh, and I'm honored great. to be part of it. It just seems insane. 
you know, yeah, but in the same, cool. I, I know you mentioned class clown earlier. Sure. Sure. Like, sure. Yeah. No, yeah. that was my, I wore that record out. No joke. I, I've had to buy it a couple times. Cause when really? I, was a kid, I and it was more, you know, people think my, my mom would say, Oh, it's cause of this, the, the, the words you can't say on television. But right. I was like, that was my least favorite bit on the album. I thought that was funny, but I liked his stuff about his childhood because yes. it related. And I grew up in a progressive, this makes no sense, but a progressive Catholic church that was very accepting of people of different uh, races and even sexualities, even for right. me when I was a little kid. But I still, the, the Catholic dogma was so fucking scary to me. The idea of hell. Oh, okay. Eternal. So you can relate to that. So yeah. I really loved how he talked about this world of him growing up in New York City and going to having the priest from Spanish Harlem and having. Yeah, that guy you know, was very, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's okay, Mary. man. You know, like that, all those, <laughs> uh, you know, the, these different voices and, and, and lives and also him kind of being, hey, he's a cool uncle. Like he, he, yeah. No, no, when I when I was a kid, that was who like my the guys my aunt would date looked like George Carlin. They had a beard and the long right, right, hair right, right. and stuff, and they all looked like they played bass for the Eagles, you know. So like that was, <laughs> you know, it, it just it all kind of. Converged. Wait a minute, hold on, just hold on a second, because the only people that played bass for the Eagles are Randy Meisner and that the other guy from Toto. Neither one of them had okay. beards. Fleetwood Mac, sorry. Okay, I, maybe, who, who, maybe. What worked? What works for you? What's what's the seventies seventies cocaine drenched band? No, I know what you're talking about. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm very no, I'm no, a very no, precise a, guy. I'm but that's precise. so funny. This is why I'm. Just, there's a reason I'm single. April. There's a reason I'm single. <laughs> this isn't a big mystery. Okay. Well, ladies, reach out to uh, to the Wayneyak Wayne Fetterman and. Um, uh, dude, I really appreciate having you on the show. And this was I so loved much fun. It. Just, I loved just to it. talk comedy. Just to, uh, it was great seeing you again. And I, I'd love to go get a cup of coffee with you and, and have a longer conversation. I would, definitely, 100%. Oh, that, would be, that would be years. awesome. No, but, when I put, the book came out, I I didn't know what I was doing. So I hired sure. a publicist. So sure. that's kind of, I think she reached out. But that's all over. No, like, you were, listen. Who, can, I, who no, can afford these publicists? No bullshit. Not me. I, I, Not me. I, yeah, I know. But when, when you have a project, it's worth hiring one. Try, it yeah, is? No, it is. Absolutely. That's what I doubt. thought. Yeah, without yeah. a doubt, dude. Without okay, a doubt. Okay, okay. Yeah, people will. Maybe will that's a them. job for that guy who called. Maybe he wants there to be a pub. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I most of the publicists I've worked with have been lovely people and have great offices. And, you know. All right. I know we're wrapping up. Can I just sure. ask sure. you about the Beastie Boys book behind your head? Uh-huh. Are you a fan of them? Did you see the yeah. documentary on Apple? What did you I think? I still haven't seen the documentary because I yeah. look, I love that book and their music was so pivotal in my life. And, it seemed and like they would be like right in your wheelhouse. Hugely, hugely. Yeah, I yeah, was always yeah. a big hip hop fan. And I always, even as a young age, I was like, I didn't like, it annoyed me when white rappers came out because I was just kind of this yeah, purist. Like, if yep. you say, you know, which you could, you could also call self-hating. Uh, but like, <laughs> I, I, I they were always, I was like, oh, they somehow pull it off because they're goofy dudes, but they're also goofy dudes. So anytime I see them interviewed, like, I love them. But like when they were on uh, um, Marin's show, I was yeah. like, oh my God, stop talking about shit in the room and answer the fucking questions. Because oh, wow, they're probably you're a man done with business. interviews yeah. there. But Mark would be like, so how'd you got? And he'd be like, what's that, man? And I'm like, oh God, I can't see what you're talking about. You're driving me insane. Oh, am so, I doing that right now? Or are you making I fun do, of no, me? No, you, no you're, you're staying on point. I will just say the only thing that book is illuminating and fascinating and great and they're incredible artists and their music is 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 just transcendent to me in a lot of different ways but there are parts in that book where i'm like oh you could have left this out you could have left that but <laughs> that's just me 
That's not on them. That's not on them. Of course, of course, of course. All right. I think they're great. Yeah. Thank you. And no, it was just, I'm sorry, guys. There's a bookshelf behind them just to paint the picture. I get it. I get it. But also, also, yeah. Okay. See what you mean. Am I doing that? You're doing it in a creative, good way that leads to good conversation. Okay. I will say, though, anyone who's even not a comedian should, or, or, or a comedy fan should get Wayne's book because anytime I've studied art, I'm unfamiliar with the art I enjoy gets better. So you should. That's, that's oh, thank my you. Little, thank you. I appreciate that's my it. bit of advice. So right. thanks for coming on, Wayne. It was really awesome. All right. I'm going to hit the leave button. Is this what I do? That's cool. All right. See you, buddy. Well, that was awesome. Uh, go, go, go get Wayne Fetterman's new book, The History of Stand Up. And if you have any uh, need for advice or have any questions for me and or an upcoming guest, call 323-763-0228. We need calls all the time. So just don't even hesitate. Just call, leave me a message. 323-763-0228. Thanks. This Might Help with Matt Bronger was created and hosted by me, Matt Bronger. Produced by Outer Circle Media. Executive producers Matt Kleinschmidt and Robert Kelly for the Laugh Button Podcasts.